0: Hello, and welcome to the Embassy City Podcast. Thank you for joining us as we conclude the God of Miracles series. Let's give it up for our pastor, Tim. Amen. (laughs) He's going to be back in the pulpit next week. I can't wait to to hear him, but let me tell you, I know you've probably been drawn to his gift, so you, you love hearing him. But what I really love is the fact that Tim is the same guy in this pulpit, and when he's out of the pulpit. What that means is he's trusted. And if he's trusted, this is a safe place. That's why you feel what you feel when you're sitting here now. This is a safe place. This is a good place that your family can be a part of. We're wrapping up this entire series about a God of miracles. Everything from the music to Cobb, turning that expector up. I'm telling you, I hope you're ready. Because sometimes life throws a lot of things at us, and we start dialing it back down. But we're talking about the God of miracles. And I just said, listen, let's just go ahead and jump into something really deep, straight off the bat, put your, put your floaties on, and let's just kind of jump out. I'm going to hit you with something that uh, is vitally important for you to know. I'm a diehard Kansas City Chief fan. All right. We can... Amen. We can only wait another 15 minutes for that to die down. But now I know there are some diehard cowboy fans in this room as well. Amen. Yeah, you hear one of them right over there, my wife. See, I thought we had unity in almost every area, but that is just, we have union. I like the cowboys, but I am a diehard Kansas City Chief fan. Matter of fact, look at the screen. I want to read to you what is a diehard fan. The definition of a diehard fan is someone that shows extreme, absolute, or complete loyalty, even if facing defeat or hopelessness. An example of a diehard fan is a person who goes to see a losing team play every single <laughs> game. Yeah, yeah. Even in the rain, or even if the game is a practice. But let me tell you there's a difference between the Cowboy fan and the Chief fan. Or at least there was. Something about when September rolled around, Cowboys fan, even though it's been 25 years, you ask a Cowboys fan, we're going back to the Super Bowl. <laughs> Their expector is up here. I love my Chiefs, and we can, do, we can get a lot of victories during the middle of the year. We may make the playoffs, we may even win the wild card, but we don't expect a whole lot until now. <laughs> Until now. Why are the Cowboys fans expect her higher? Because they're crazy. No, no. I'll tell you why. I feel like it's because their stories are fresher. Every year they're rolling out. Every year we hear all these things coming out of Jerry. And every year it's like, I think think we feel the missing pieces. We're going back. We're going back. We're going back. As Cobb said, the memories are fresher but it's been 25 years. Let me tell you I have a feeling that there's a lot of die-hard Christians. We love the Lord with all our heart. I'm going to show up in the rain, the snow, I'm there. I'm going to serve. I love the Lord, but life has kind of hit us. And I don't expect a whole lot. I love the Lord, but I stop expecting. There's a big difference. A big difference. Today, the message is about share your story. Let's pray. Father, help us stir up and share our stories about the faithfulness, about your faithfulness, because you have been so good. And Father, you are too good to not believe. Amen. Amen. All right. This series is about miracles, but there's a couple of things we need to know. First of all, you don't really need a miracle unless you're in a mess. So if you're in a mess, you're in a good place. You're ready for a miracle. The other thing about miracles is we need to be careful to not add makeup to the miracle. Come on now. I, I know a lot of pastors. We carry a little, little makeup pouch right here. If we're not careful, we can say something that is truthful, but we leave out a few details. We, we end up putting a, a little bit of makeup on it. If we're not careful, what happens to makeup when the heat gets turned up? Man, what was what was added to enhance now of a sudden looks nasty. You know, I mean, if we're not careful, it's like we want to help the Lord. But in reality, are we helping ourselves? It's like, Father, I remember when I had that headache and I and I prayed. And Lord, I thank you in three hours. Lord, I was healed. That was great. But Lord, hey, you know, just think if instead of a headache, that was a coma. Instead of three hours, that was three months. Think of what we could do for the kingdom, me and you, God. The problem, if we're not careful, God doesn't need to take the blame for our exaggeration. So I'm going to share some stories and I'm going to do my best to take all the makeup off. I'm going to tell you the real, the raw. I sat down with Mandy. I don't want to get any of these stories wrong. I called my mom on a cup. I Listen, this is the way I remember it, but I I want to know, is this what happened? And I'm praying, Father, 34 years of ministry, you've done a lot of good things. What do you want me to share? He said, I want you to share these two right off the bat. I'm like, Lord, those are about when I was a kid. He said, yeah, but here's why I want you to share them. The first stories when I was eight years old lasted for a year and a half. You remember being a kid when summers lasted forever? You know, it's like dog years. It just lasted. When you're a kid, summers lasted forever. It was great. Well, I had horrible nightmares that lasted for over a year and a half. Horrible. I would sneak into my parents' room. I'd lay at the foot of the bed. I'd try to go to bed before everybody else because I was just terrified. And for a year and a half, That's just horrific for a kid. Into about a year, which was a long time, my dad said, would you like to go talk to the pastor? I said, yeah, yeah. I remember we went in and I I still remember my dad's sitting to my left. We're sitting across from the desk. There's the pastor. He's a great man of God. I remember my dad recapping the story real, real quick, what I was going through and how long. And I remember the pastor looking across, smiling, said, Stan, you don't have to worry. I remember the peace That came on, I'm I'm nine at this point. I remember the peace that came on me. And then I remember how quick it left. He looked at me and said, Stan, you don't have anything to worry. You know why? Because it's all in your mind. I just remember in my mind, don't treat me like a kid. I don't know what else was said. I can't remember anything about that story. My dad probably made me thank him. But we left and I went on for another three months. Absolute torment. Until again, my, my uncle started a church. My dad said, you want to go talk with Uncle Ronnie? I said, sure. We go in, same scenario. He's sitting right next to me. My dad is across from the desk in my Uncle Ronnie's office at the church. And he shares a recap. And I remember my Uncle Ronnie looking across and said, Stan, you don't have anything to worry about. I didn't have peace this time. Nothing. I, was, I, I, I wasn't ready for anything. He said, do you know why? He said, because you've been given the right and the authority to use the name of Jesus. Nowhere in scripture do you see you have to be of a certain age before you can use his name. And he put his hand above it. Everything is subject to that name. I remember the first time I saw Tim take communion. When he lifted that cup and put it up, it reminded me of my Uncle Ronnie. Everything is subject to that name. Let me tell you, I didn't have a lot of Bible knowledge, but I had a truth right there about the power and the authority of Jesus' name. And I used that. And for the first time in kid years, dog years, whatever, 180 years... A year and a half, I had sleep. I loved it. I learned the authority of Jesus' name. Story two, when I'm 12 years old, we changed churches. We're now at my uncle's church because it is exploding in growth. It's Thursday night prayer. Only the dedicated are there on Thursday night prayer. (laughs) My job as a 12-year-old, we're out there playing hide-and-go-seek. We're playing games, and at the end, we come in for the cake, the cookie. That was it. That's what I did. Well, after one of those, we come in, and I remember walking in, and they're done, and they're in little pockets, and the tables are out, and the cookies, and, and they're pouring all the drinks and the coffee, and I'm standing there, and I'm looking over at a little girl by the name of Miranda. She's almost three, two and a half to three, and she's going down those rows. She, she can't see it, but she knows there's cookie and cake up there. She's going down the little table trying to find it. She misses the cake and the cookies, and she gets down to the coffee. And I'm watching as she gets her finger in the tip of that cup. And when she tips it, it comes down the back of her hand and she screams. I'm telling you, I'm 12 years old, but it locked in my mind. I heard four things yelled out. Now, again, we just got out of prayer service. And I heard people yell, Get some ice. Somebody said, Get some butter. Somebody said, Call an ambulance. And my uncle said, Church, let's pray. And they rallied around. Now, I'd love to tell. I told you I'm not going to put any makeup on it. I didn't come up there and lay hands, and no, I wasn't doing nothing. Okay, I'm rolling reporter. I'm 12 year old kid. I'm coming up and I'm looking around because I watched what she did. I saw it hit. I heard the scream, and I'm just getting close. When I get up there, I'm seeing the skin hanging from her arm of where it peeled it. I'm just watching. The church is praying. She finally calms down, and I'm 12 year old, so I'm like, you know, anybody going to have me this cake? You know, this, I'm telling you, I wouldn't and didn't do anything playing a part of what happened to Miranda. That's on Thursday night, Sunday morning in church when worship is done. All of a sudden, my uncle looks out. I'm sitting right over here. My uncle looks out and asks Miranda, would you bring Miranda up? She had a little pink dress with a white sweater, long sleeve. They brought her up, and I'm expecting maybe a bandage. You're going to talk about how it wasn't as bad as we were hoping. They took that little sweater off. They put her arms up. Lily white skin. It wasn't even pink. I'm looking at that. Let me tell you, I had zero to play when her getting healing. But the reason I'm telling you that is because of this. I'll answer it with another story. I grew up in southern Missouri. Caves are everywhere. That's all I did as a kid. Even high school, college, go caving. There's one in uh, Springfield, Missouri, Branson, right there, actually, where Silver Dollar City is. Most caves you walk into, this cave has a huge hole that you drop into. It's about a 90 to 100 foot drop. You walk down. Well, to get out of it, you take a tram. And it's so vertical that it's click, click, click. You hear this all the way up. What that that is, is it's an emergency brake. It lets you know that the worst case scenario, you're only going to fall so far before it catches you. These stories are my anchor. These are my emergency break stories. Life can throw anything at me and it has. But as I dust it off, you can't take these away. I understand the authority and the power that is mine in Jesus name. And I I witness God do a miracle. You can't take that you got to have your altar story. you got to have your emergency break story. See, altar is not where you build monuments. It's where you build memories. Yeah. To stir you up when the enemy comes to attack. you got to remember those things. But let me ask you, is sharing the story really that important? Is sharing? I tell you what, let's look at Judges chapter 2. In Judges chapter 2, it says this. And the Israelites served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and the leaders who outlived him. Come on, this is how you develop a legacy. When your kids serve the Lord after you're gone, when when you have such an impact in somebody's life that after you're gone, they're serving the Lord. That's a legacy. A legacy is when you hit all you got all four eyes. Integrity, influence, impact, and impression. You live a life of in you live a life of integrity that creates a platform of influence for you. And you take that influence and you make as many positive impacts as you can into your kids and those around you that when you are gone, you've left an impression. That's how you leave a legacy. That's what was going on right here. But let's keep reading. said, those that had seen all the great things the Lord had done, but we jump down to verse 10. After that generation died, another generation. Here we go. Nasty generation Another generation grew up who did not know the Lord or remember the mighty things He had done for Israel. The Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight and served the images of Baal. This generation was spoiled, self-centered, they had no values. Wait a minute. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says they didn't know the Lord and they didn't remember the mighty things that He had done. (laughs) The fact is It's a fact of what they did, but it's an assumption of why they did it. We look at this generation that end up doing evil, and what we see is the fact that they didn't remember the stories. It's not up to them to remember something that was never told. See, we've got to share the story. We got to be real. We got to be genuine. You know, a, a week ago right now, a week ago right now, we're at the Embassy Blessed Marriage Retreat out at the Gaylord. And that, yeah, all right. Yeah. <laughs> and this morning we have one of our sessions is when we break out the men and the women. And I'm telling you, we're listening to men go around and we're just listening to men share their heart. And the best thing initially that we got out is, man, this is good. I'm not the only one messed up. <laughs> I love that. Well, you should hear this story. And that's we're sharing, and then we're sharing things about how I was messed up, but where I am now. Men started sharpening iron as they began to share. Lord, it's not my story to share in here, but as we're done, all these men are just sharing, lifting each other up. There's a gentleman next to me, Eric. I said, I felt the Lord saying, you got to tell him, tell him to share. Oh my gosh. When Eric had opened up and began to share, it just ignited another wave. Your story, your story, can be the story that sparks somebody to turn them back to the Lord. Now let me tell you, stories are like spoons or lids. They can be a spoon that stirs you on in faith or they can be a lid that keeps you out of standing in faith. And also remember this, stories need to be grounded within the Word of God. Be careful that we're not moved by just facts. we got to make sure that we hear it. See, if we're not careful in life Fingers are like facts. I know that I know that I know that I know. And then we fill in the gaps with assumption and presumption. That's a dangerous area. We need each other. If not, we overread are the facts. Are the stories important? Yes. Matter of fact, this passage right here implies that knowing the Lord has a lot to do with hearing the stories. We've got to share the stories. Share them. Sometimes to stir it up you got to get a little riled up. The Bible talks about righteous indignation. It talks about being angry and not sinning. See, out of control, anger can cause collateral damage. But righteous indignation can cause collateral blessings. All right. It's just we don't see it a whole lot. I remember one of the times when my daughter Brittany is right over here when she's three years old. Mandy and I moved to the coast of Alabama and Daphne, and we're at an amazing church. We've only been there about three months, and she's only three years old. And all of a sudden, I come home from work one day, and Brittany has a black speck in her eye. I'm looking at that, and I take her little eyelid and I pull it out, and it's not moving. I go get a Q-tip, and I'm not, it's not moving. I'm like, Mandy, this thing is lodged in her eye. And we go into the doctor, and she's our firstborn. And, you know, your firstborn doesn't even touch dirt for the first two years. <laughs> you know, you know your, your third one, and I love you, darling. But by third one, you know, shake it off. Shake it off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I broke my leg, but I'm shaking it off. <laughs> but that first one, man, you don't want anything to happen to your baby. And we go into the hospital, and he they they, they comes out, he tells us, she has a piece of metal lodged in her eye. And we go, he, he sets her on my lap. And in this machine, because she's too little, she sets her little chin on this device. And he brings this thing in. He said, now look up at this light up here. And he gets this machete. It felt like a machete to me. <laughs> He's got this little thing. He's going to prick it out. Every time he, he tries twice. Every time he gets close, obviously she's looking. He said, we're not, we're not going to be able to do this. I'm going to cause more damage. So we're going to have to have surgery. There is no mild surgery with your firstborn. I remember that morning we going in and she's in her pajamas and they give her a little something to make her drowsy. And I remember wa- her walking off with the nurse. When they go through those doors, I just feel this whisper. Way to go, faith man. Ah, I'm sitting there watching my little girl go through that. And then she comes out. Everything's good. She has an orange ring where it had rusted her. I mean, so that orange ring is there for about two to three days. I'm going back to the church. And it's just, it just gripping me. I'm ticked off. And I just feel like I'm preparing. I, I just felt like the enemy said, what are you going to preach on this weekend? You should probably talk about love because you don't need to be sharing about faith. I'm ticked. I'm coming home. It's only about three days later. And all of a sudden I go in. Daddy's home. And I look up and Brittany has a speck that is almost double the size. And I am. I get there. I do the eyelash. It's not moving. I get the Q-tip. It's not moving. And Mandy and I. I remember not this time. We grabbed hands. We just looked up at the Lord, Father. This needs to dislodge in Jesus' name, man. We we. I was ticked. Sometimes you got to get a little righteous indignation. And I was asking Mandy probably. And listen. I I can exaggerate. I can put a little lipstick on it. My wife does not know how to lie. So as I'm telling the stories, just glance as she's doing this. And okay, now he's now that one. (laughs) I'm asking her. Said 30 minutes, I go over it and all of a sudden that little flake is right there in the corner of her eye. I touch her corner of eye, her eye and I have it on mine. I grab little Brittany's hand. I'm just raising it up to the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness. Ah, uh, then then I put it on her middle finger and I said, let's show the devil what he can do. I didn't, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. But sometimes you gotta get a little righteous indignation. I'm not like, not this time. Sometimes it has to rise up in you. That's right. Several years ago, I had the opportunity to serve on a board that had, uh, we had schools, in seven and nine countries at that time. Now it's about 20, but, but ministry schools in all these countries. And because we had such favor, we had a letter from one of the officials in Manila, Philippines that allowed us to get into any high school in Manila. We picked Rizel High School. You can pull it up. At one time, Rizel High School was the largest high school in the world. I remember sitting in the meeting. We're like, all right, man, this is huge. This is great favor. Who are we going to send? I'm, I'm, I'm just read off the top four or five guys, man. We're, we're going to get some big hitters going down there. And I remember Russ looking. I know who we're supposed to send. All right. Who is it? It's you. Absolutely. What? <laughs> I said, Mandy and I love kids. We love our students. We'll travel to their camps where we'll hang out. But Lord, you sure? I said, no, it's you. So we started preparing. We had a one-hour assembly we're preparing for. We got a band. We got everything. I remember telling him, I said, listen, I'm not big into soccer. He said, no, 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 man, they love basketball. I felt the anointing right there. <laughs> and, all right, all right. So we're ready. We've got several months before we go. And one month out, we have an intercessory prayer team that is praying over every school, every trip they take. And we're one month out of, in our meeting. I remember us saying, the, the intercessory prayer team is getting... Some strong words. And what they're hearing is, danger, danger, don't go. Like, Absolutely, Lord. Hey, we'll wait and we'll go in his timing. He said, no, 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 that's just me. You're still going. <laughs> All right. Now that was, is that two dangers for you? Or is that one danger for you, one for me? But now he was going into some of the islands where it's very dangerous. I'm staying in Manila proper. And I'm like, let's, let's go. When we begin to go or fly over there, all of a sudden, as soon as we land, we're in the hotel, we get notified. Remember, we have a letter that allows us to get in, but it's the principal controlled the timing, when, how, all that. We get this notice. Uh, it's not an assembly. You have 15 minutes. It's in the morning, and it's right after they do their anthem. Right. Man, And our know, I remember Cesar saying, we have this letter. Do you want to go in? And I said, no, 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 let's just go. So we go in this huge courtyard. We're on this one side in an open stage, the band's ready to go. We got 15 minutes. On the other side, the principal comes out on a balcony and a loudspeaker, and they're doing the anthem. And before they get any further, the skies open up and pouring down rain. Wow. And everybody left except about 50 of the scariest students you'd ever seen. <laughs> you know, the ones that I love the rain. Yeah, I know, but I know. We all do. But that was, it was over. It was over. So he goes in, and he goes in to talk to her about trying to come back, and he comes out, and he said, she's saying we can't come back. She's saying they're, they're too busy. I said, you got to go tell. show her this letter. And I had the letter, and I walk in, and when I walk into the office, she's looking down. She never even looks up. She just keeps working. And she said, I'm so sorry it didn't work out. We're very busy. Maybe next month. We're not there for a month. And I had that letter and I had the authority to just remind her, but I felt in my heart, just love on her. I told her, I said, you know what? I thank you for this opportunity. It didn't work, but I really feel like I have a word on my heart for these kids. And, and if anything opens up, just let us know. That was it. We're leaving and Caesar said, look, I'm going to call some other high schools. We're going to see what we can do. I said, no, let's just go back to the hotel. and Let's just be patient for a little bit. Within two hours, all of a sudden, we get a phone call. It said, you can come back tomorrow morning, but you still only have 15 minutes. Do you want it? And I said, absolutely. Absolutely. Man, we get in there the next day, same thing, the big courtyard, everybody's there, band's ready. We only got a little bit, so they're going to hit it, smile, and then they're done. You know, I mean? We got 15 minutes to roll. And she walks up on the balcony They begin the national anthem, and all of a sudden, it begins to sprinkle. Then it begins a, a light rain. And we look over to the side, and that deep, dark gray of heavy rain is maybe about a mile away. And I remember jumping down off the platform, grabbing Cesar's hand, and we pointed up to us and said, not this time, Cesar. Not today. We didn't come halfway around the world for nothing. And we looked up at the sky right above us, and we began to pray. These kids are kind of looking, you know, like these guys are crazy. We're pointing, and I'm telling you, right above us, the clouds started opening. You could see blue sky. I'm telling you, the, the hair, not on the front of my head, but the back of my head. Still, I, was, I was praying for it, but to see it still, glory to God. I mean, I see some of the kids are looking like, I think it's David Blaine. Maybe we got Christian. I, I didn't know if they thought maybe it's a magic show, but they saw what the Lord was doing. Man, I only had 15 minutes, but when he jumped up there, all of a sudden they hit the band. They did something real quick and I jumped into it. I had half of them yelling, teamwork makes the dream work. And we just went at it. I only had 15 minutes. When we're done, the team is going out into the kids. And when we're done, I said, listen, man, don't, don't, don't put any icing on it. How many kids do you think made a commitment to the Lord? He said, probably just under 1200. All right. All right, God can do anything. He can show up and show out in 15 minutes. Sometimes we think, but I've got a letter. Many times we want the miracle on our terms. But be open and ready because let me tell you, your miracle is never ever just about you. If you do get it, then you need to be ready to share it. I mean, you got to share the word. Even in you're a mess, be ready to share so somebody else can help you out of that to get to your miracle. Man, all of a sudden, Cesar came in and said, the principal wants to see you. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I go, now she's not sitting down behind her desk. She's standing up looking at me. He said, would you like to teach in a class? Absolutely. I, I didn't teach in a class. I went in, I'm talking to students. When that one's done, would you like to teach in another? Absolutely. And another, would you teach in another class? Absolutely. Whatever she's saying, I'm absolutely. I remember going four classes in a row said, would you stay and have lunch with the staff? Absolutely. Let me tell you, when it looked like all was lost, yes. don't give up. Yes. Hold on to your story. Yes. Let me tell you, I told you we're not going to put makeup on it. And there's a leader in the Old Testament. And I'm sitting there last week after the message. Oh, my gosh, it was so powerful. Well, Mandy and I got home from the, from the marriage retreat. We're sitting on our deck and, and listening to Katie. And all of a sudden, she said, turn to Psalm 77. I'm like, that's mine. And you know, she's going to do it better than me, Lord. I'm sitting there, listen to her share about Asa because this story I love. I love when the Lord allows a leader to be fully transparent. We get to see how he walks through the process to get to his miracle. Because sometimes we'll make statements like, uh, I was going through a deep trouble, man. It was rough. I stood on this verse and God delivered. That is awesome. But I thought that took two years. Well, yeah. Are you telling me you were faith man for two years? No, no. Listen, if we don't watch it, then what do we do with verses said when you've done all to stand, continue to stand. What do we do with verses? Don't grow weary in well-doing. What do we do with verses? Hold on to your profession or your confession of faith because there's an enemy that's going to try to attack. Let's stay tuned to it. And I love this. We're going to jump through Asaph real quick. Asaph... Chapter 77 said, I cried out to God. Yes, I shouted. Listen, let me tell you something. Anytime a problem really deals with you, you're going to get loud and proud on it. I mean, it's not going to be a token prayer. Oh, God, that you would listen to me when I was in deep trouble. Again, if it involves you, is there any other kind besides deep? He goes into it. I searched for the Lord all night long. I prayed with hands lifted toward heaven, but my soul was not comforted. I think of God and I moan, overwhelmed, with longing for his help. You don't let me sleep. Now, wait a minute. Make sure when we're reading scripture, the fact that it's said, but it doesn't mean it's a truth. Okay. You don't let me sleep. There's been times that the Lord hasn't let me sleep. But listen to this next part. I am too distressed. Okay, that's not God. He is not going to stress you out. What it is, is he's not seeing things happen as quick as he would like them to happen. And he's struggling and he's being genuine about his struggle. Okay, I love that he's sharing this. He says, I think of the good old days long since ended. This is nostalgia. Haven't we all been there thinking, man, if I could just go back. If I didn't do that, if I'd have said this, be careful. Nostalgia is an emotional longing for an unobtainable or unrealistic past. It will steal your time. If you stay focused on it long enough, it'll steal your life. When my nights were filled with joyful songs, this is truthful, man, his family led worship. He had had times he probably sat down with David and David had a song and, and he put the music to it. Or maybe flipped around and all of a sudden I've got these words and he puts music to it back and forth. He was there and he saw the highlight of the temple. Then he saw it fall. Has the Lord, now listen, I love that he says this. Has the Lord rejected me? Will he never again be kind to me? You know, when you're a problem, sometimes what about me, me, me? But usually we're quick to turn and try to find somebody to blame. Notice what he does here. He shifts. Is his unfailing love gone? forever? Has his promises permanently failed? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he slammed the door on his compassion? Listen, this is a leader that is blaming God. Anybody else ever been there? I've had some of my, I thank God that he loves me so much that there are times that I've been able to complain knowing what I'm saying is wrong, but he's just letting me vent. He loves me waiting for me to stir up the stories that are real waiting for me to remember the real past. He said, and I said, this is my fate. I feel like some individuals are sitting here today and you've bought into the lie of compromise. It doesn't look like I'm going to get my miracle. It looks like this is as good as it's going to get. I guess this is as good as my marriage is going to be. I guess this is all I can expect. I guess this is, I didn't get that job. I guess this is just the best it's going to be watch out for the lie of compromise. If the enemy can't stop you, he'll try to get you just to settle. And he said, you just need to be thankful. Yes, we always need to be thankful, but we need to know God's truth. And he said, this is my faith. The most high has turned his hand against me. Stir yourself until you remember the right stories. But then I recall all you have done, O Lord. I remember your wonderful deeds. It took a minute, but now all of a sudden he's tapping in. He's tapping into what he remembers. They are constantly my thoughts. I cannot stop thinking about your mighty works, oh God. Your ways are holy. Is there any God as mighty as you? You're the God of great wonders. You demonstrate your awesome power among the nations. By your strong arm, you redeemed your people, the descendants of Jacob and Joseph. Man, it is flowing out of him now. Some of these probably were songs. He's tapping into a a lot of things. You've got to tap into your story. But let me tell you, I know some of you are sitting here and say, I don't have a story. (laughs) I don't have a story like that. Well, nobody comes with the story you got to trust somebody else's story until you get your own. Right. you got to trust the Word. you got to trust me. you got to trust... Come, and Katie, do you trust their story? De- Devontae, when he shared, do you trust his story? Tim, Juliet, do you trust their story? Lean on it. Seriously, lean on somebody else's story as long as it's based on God's Word. Lean on our story until you get your own. Now he's digging in. Your arrows of lightning flashed. Your thunders roared from the whirlwind. The lightning lit up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Look at this part right here. Your road led through the sea. Your pathway through the mighty waters. And look at this. A pathway no one knew was there. They didn't just show up at a spot because they were cornered and ran. They ended up at the perfect spot, even though it looked like it was the wrong place. You may feel like there's no hope. Man, I hear you, but I don't think there's any hope for my marriage. I hear you, but you don't know what the doctor just told me. Let me tell you, you start listening to God's word and let it stir up inside of you what he says about you. When I hear Asaph stirring up those things, it just sparks me. I think of the words that we say. I've seen your power. I've seen you heal. After everything I've seen, you're too good to not believe. You're too good to not believe. Don't tell me he can't do it. I'm going to tell two final stories. When I was a sophomore in college, I get a phone call. said, you need to come to the hospital. My dad just checked in the hospital earlier that day, had an ulcer, and just going in for a checkup or whatever it was, it's what we thought. When we get over there, all of a sudden, my uncle, the same one that told me about the power of the name of Jesus, the same one that said, church, let's pray, gets in a room with me and my brother and said, listen, boys, I need to let you know what the doctor said. Your dad, it's not an ulcer. Your dad has cancer. He said it's spread all throughout his stomach. It's attached to several of the vital organs. Uh, Surgery is not an option. They recommend being on treatment immediately, but they give a very, very low percentage of success. Those are facts, undeniable facts. The problem, if we're not careful, we allow the facts to build up to the point where we can't stand in faith. Let me tell you, faith is not denying the facts. It's not a hyped up uh, mental picture you try to get. Faith is facing the facts by putting them in proper perspective with God's truth. See, my uncle that shared the facts then turned around and said, Now, boys, we're praying. We're speaking life and healing over your dad, and we ask him to do one more scan. It should be done in just a little bit. See, guys, the facts, if you're not careful, the facts start building up, and you feel like there is no hope, because facts will suck out the hope in the room. But let me tell you, face those facts. See, the fact is you may have sickness in your body, but the truth is, By His stripes, you are healed. See, the, the, the fact is, your finances may be lacking, but the truth is, my God will supply all my need according to His riches and glory. The fact is, you may be in a situation that fear has gripped you to the point you don't know what to do. But the truth is, my God has not given me the spirit of fear, but rather of power and of love and a sound mind. With my, I'd love to say it was me because fear was really trying to grip me, but it was me leaning more on my uncle and his faith. But as we're speaking that all of a sudden they come out and they've got, hey, the scans are back and the doctor would like to speak with everybody. They put the scans up and they, um, we, don't, we don't fully understand it, but as you can see, it's not spread out. It's actually in a mass and surgery is an option and we're prepping now. I got six more years with my dad. I got six more years with my dad. Speaking faith. Now listen, it'd be easy for me to put a little, bit, a little bit of makeup on that story and tell you that how I quoted a verse and stood there. I just joined my faith and leaned heavily on my uncle. Some of you need to be leaning. You need to lean on Cobb and Katie. You need to lean on Devonte. You need to lean on Sarah. You need to lean on somebody else's story. Include them in your mess so it can lead to a miracle. Three years ago, coming up this, this Thanksgiving, I had, a, I had a stupid little mistake, an accident, and, and I tore my rotator cuff. I had a bicep tear. I couldn't even lift my arm. So I go in for a simple surgery. And uh, let me tell you, this miracle all is predicated by me messing up. All right, anybody? Anybody need a miracle because you created the mess? Yeah. All right. I didn't. I got home and man, you know, anybody had surgery, a shoulder surgery? Man, you get home? Yeah, they they got the block, meaning you're on drugs and you come home and and the neighbors are coming over. How you doing? I'm great, man. I'm great. You know, I'm left-handed. You want? To, we'll go shoot. What? I'm good. I got my iPad out and I'm telling man, you know, uh, Mandy, hey, we need to get tickets for it because I'm looking at things to do. Hey, we got to get this shit. Just rest. Just rest. Man, when that block starts going up, they said, don't wait, get on to pain medicine. I did, but then I just sat there. I didn't get up and move. You know, if you've had shoulder surgery, you can't sleep in a bed. I slept in a chair. I'm supposed to be taking aspirin. I did not do that. I wake up on Thanksgiving morning. The entire family is there. It's a wonderful day, but I wake up that morning. I've got this pain in my side. I felt like I'm sleeping in a chair. I must have slept on this brace. I can't really take a deep breath. It is so painful. We go through the day. We have lunch. And on Thanksgiving, we usually always run out and see a movie right after lunch. And then we come back and watch the Cowboys get kicked. And <laughs> no, then we come back and watch the Cowboys. I'm a Cowboys fan, but I'm a diehard Chief fan. All right? But we, we have a fun time. And, man, he said, you want to go to the movie? I said, Darn, I'm just going to sleep, but at least I'll be with the kids. And I waddle out and waddle in. We come back. They prepare food, you know, the leftovers, and and I'm sitting in the chair, and it's halftime because I remember Drew Brees and the Saints are playing, and all of a sudden I got this whisper, get up and go now. So I got up, I went in the bedroom, and I sat down on the bathroom, uh, the tub, the corner of it, and I got that word again, get up and go now. Let me tell you, some of you are close. When, when Katie talked about the middle of a miracle, some of you are close, but you better distinguish the voice. You're getting close, but if you're not careful, good voices are going to keep you from the miracle. I hear this, get up and go now. I tell Mandy, and she comes in and said, I'm getting this, get up and go now. She rallies the troops. We're in the car. I mean, we're getting on it. We're going to Baylor. And everything escalated real, real quick. Man, I could, I could barely get to the car. When I get to the car, a son's driving. Mandy and Anna are right behind us. Jake written here in the car behind him when Jake turned on the lights of the car and the lights, I noticed the lights were coming through. All of a sudden I got this whisper. I said, you've had a good life. But you're gonna to die today. Your son's gonna see you die, your family's gonna die, see you die, it's gonna be on Thanksgiving, and their life is never gonna be the same. And I just, just stayed quiet. We're about halfway there, We're on 121, and all of a sudden, this whisper comes up again. <laughs> Your dad was a good man. You're a good man. Your dad never got to see his grandkids, and you're never going to get to see yours. It's just... I can see Baylor. We're maybe three quarters of a mile out, and all of a sudden, this whisper comes up again. You need to turn and say something profound to your son. You need to say something to Mandy. You let her know how much you love her. They need to have these last words from you. Say something. Tell Anna. Speak out and give them something they can hold on to the rest of their life. Boy, it sounded so good. But something wasn't right. And then this other little whisper. Just stay calm, Stan. And don't speak. Speak. And then also, it's like this picture. You remember how you used to love to swim and you'd go down and you'd hold your breath? Yeah, and I could hold my breath for two minutes. I know people can hold it longer, but two minutes is a long time. I could just stay calm. I said, Stay calm. As soon as we get there, they hustle out, man. They, they, they got me in a wheelchair. They bring me up. They're going to run the scan. But I've only had this on for three days. I, 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 I can't, I told the guy, I can't lean back. He has to help me lean back and, and, and they're squeezing me in this tube. And as soon as I come out, they take me in the room and they shoot me with a shot of Lovinox. loving He said, it's a blood clot. All right. All right. At least I'm here. I'm good to go. We get up in the room and all of a sudden I remember when the, the doctor came in and Mandy's there and I'm like, so is it, is a blood clot? I said, Oh no, sir. <laughs> you have multiple blood clots in both lungs. Uh, You're very fortunate that you're here. Let me tell you, some of you are so close to the miracle that God has for you. But there's a sweet sounding voice that is trying to pull you away. It's trying to tell you, go over here. The grass is greener right here. Make this decision. Do this. But my sheep hear my voice. And the voice of a stranger they will not follow i'm telling you but if you don't spend time with him you can have a relationship with him but i don't really recognize his voice father right now lord as i was praying i know what you showed me you showed me a couple of marriages father that were basically at the end of the rope they, One of them had said, this is, if this is as good as it's going to get, I'm out. Father, let them see the hope that you can bring in. Lord, there's individuals here that have received a bad report medically. And they're facing these facts. And Lord, the facts can just suck the hope out of the room. Restore that hope by bringing in the truth of what your son did on the cross for us. Father, I thank you. We have to share our stories. Even when we're in the middle of the mess, we need to lock arms with each other because that's what helps us get to the next miracle. Speak, Father. Let people hear your voice. Some of you just need the Lord just to give you a hug, just to love on you. There's some big burly men that need a man hug from the Lord. Thank you, Father. You are the God of miracles and you are too good to not believe. Thank you. Thank you for listening today. If this message spoke to you in any way, please subscribe on your favorite podcast app and leave a review too. We would like to connect with you for past messages, updates, and more, please visit embassycity.com. You can watch live on Sundays and view past messages on our YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash Embassy City Church. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Embassy Irving. If you would like to support more of what we're doing, you can give online at embassycity.com or text embassycity, all one word, to 77977. We pray you had a great week. Thanks for listening today.